Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Rochester, New York is Brittany McDonough. Brittany is a partner at the recruiting firm Barker Gilmore. And today we're going to be talking about compliance officers, careers, transitions, and how to land in the best place possible. Uh, first, Brittany, thank you for taking time away from your day to talk to us. Hi, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Oh, glad to have you and glad to have your insights. Um, you spend a lot of time building compliance jobs. That's that's your job. And, you know, when people leave a job, they have a lot of questions about what they should be doing. And I'm hoping today we can go through some of them. And let me start with something that happens a lot when people leave a job, especially if they have a nice severance package. Um, it's tempting to take a few months off to unwind, put the past behind you and, and spend some time with family. From the perspective of getting a new job, though, is taking time off a good idea? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to discuss this topic, Adam. Um, I think with the mass layoffs that we saw at the end of 2022 and already in 2023, um, this is becoming more and more relevant, right? And uh, just in the past couple of weeks, I've had multiple uh, folks within my network reach out who have been impacted um, by a RIF or layoff, and they're asking this very question, you know, what do I do? I've got severance, thinking about taking some time off. Brittany, what is your opinion here? Um, and I kind of think about this two ways. It's really a balancing act. First and foremost, what I've been telling these folks is embrace this, um, especially at the executive level. You know, jobs can be all consuming, all encompassing. And breaks between jobs are exceptionally rare. Um, so I think it's okay to say, you know what? I, I'm going to take this time to reconnect with friends and family, to make new friends and think about what I want to do next. But what I encourage you to do if you do find yourself in this position is balance that time with inactive job search or intentionally you know, planning activities for how you're going to approach this job search. On average, we see searches take between three to six months. So if you're planning on taking six months off and then jumping into the job search, you could find yourself out of work for a year, right? So it's kind of a, a matter of being patient, but being intentional in carving out specific time to devote to the job search. And I think that needs to be balanced. I mean, too much can zap needed energy and not enough can inhibit you from seeing real results. So I think, you know, be patient, be intentional, but embrace the time off. It's rare and the stress of the job search shouldn't take away from the gift of free time. No, and it, it is a rare gift. And at the same 
time, you know, I have to say from my personal experience, you know, I used to work in advertising where layoffs were common is uh, the fact that, you know, as much as people say, oh, looking for a job is a full-time job in itself, it's not, you know, it, you can make yourself crazy trying to fill eight hours a day doing it, but productively, you know, it, it's not a full-time job. There's only so much you can do in the day. So th this sort of leads into a question of at the start of a job search, what should a candidate be doing to get her or himself ready for the market? Yeah. Um so the way I like to think about this and the way that I advise candidates is, again, be very deliberate and have a thoughtful plan. So I think about this plan in kind of th three phases. The first phase is developing professional objectives and really putting pen to paper, doing some brainstorming and thinking about what do I want out of this next opportunity? So what's the specific role that I desire? You know, what, what level within an organization am I open to? What type of company do I want to work for? Um, what size company? And then what industries, you know, best suit your professional skill set? Um, I'll, I'll give some advice here. You know, I, I have some folks I speak to who are quite ambitious and, you know, want to make a, a big career change and say, you know what, I've been in, in finance for the past 15 years and I've always been interested in healthcare. And, uh, well, you know, I, I always support one kind of pursuing their, their passions. Um, it, that can be challenging trying to make that cross-sector move. So I think you're you're better off going into it and planning around focusing on the industry you're coming from or even an adjacent industry. Um, you know, think about location. Are you in a position where you are mobile and you're willing and able to relocate for the right opportunity? Do you want to focus on the local market? Um, do you want to open yourself up to remote opportunities, you know, where you're able to commit to a, a travel cadence? And, you know, of course, think about compensation, right? That that's a major factor. Um, but think about it beyond more than just a number. You know, I, I want to make this amount of money per year. Um, every compensation package is different and the reason i encourage you to really think about this is it's going to help inform what type of companies you're open to so if you're somebody who wants a less at-risk comp package where you have more guaranteed cash comp um, you might want to be with a bigger more established organization if you're somebody who's less risk averse and you're more interested in the upside potential Maybe you look into the private equity space where, you know, the, the salary coming in might be a bit lower, but, you know, the, the package is more heavily loaded on, on the back end. Um, so that's step one. I mean, really kind of develop and define what your professional objectives are. And once you do that, you want to put together a marketing plan. So I, I know what I want. Now, how am I going to market myself 
So I'm landing on, you know, the, the radar of recruiters and prospective employers. I mean, the, the first thing here is, uh, you know, having an updated resume. And I know that can be a daunting task, especially if you haven't uh, been in a state of transition, you haven't been entertaining a move before now. And I talk to folks who, who haven't dusted off their resume in over a decade. Um, but that really is a critical marketing tool for any job search. And I would even encourage those of you who aren't in transition, you should always have a resume ready. You never know when an opportunity is going to present itself. Get your resume ready. Um, don't, don't, uh, underestimate the power of having a LinkedIn presence. Um, LinkedIn is a major tool that employers use. I, as an exec executive recruiter, use LinkedIn every day. You have to have a LinkedIn profile, have an updated professional headshot on there. Um, please no, no selfies. Um, I, I, I see that more than more than you might think. Um, and, and think about how are you going to highlight your areas of expertise, the specific business needs you can address, your major accomplishments, um, relocation options. You can put that on LinkedIn. Industries you're open to considering. Um, you can turn on a toggle that says. Um, let recruiters know that I'm open to work. And uh, what that does is recruiters like myself who have a, a special LinkedIn license, that shows up. We can run searches on candidates in LinkedIn who are open to work, right? But that's not visible to the rest of LinkedIn, the, the free version. Um, so that's the marketing plan. And then once you have a marketing plan laid out, it's a matter of networking. And networking also requires some planning. You have to be intentional and deliberate about how you're going to network. Um, I'd say the first step here is putting together a list of contacts in your network who could potentially be helpful. Generally speaking, you know, you're going to want to include current and former executives and business leaders, board members, search firms. There's search firms out there that are, you know, big generalist firms. There's specialized firms like my firm where we focus exclusively on legal and compliance. There's industry specialized recruiting firms. Connect with these folks. If you go on any of these websites, you'll be able to find you know, who leads um, a practice area. So if you're in healthcare, for example, look at the practice lead for healthcare at these firms, send them a message, share your resume confidentially. Opportunities can come from the most unexpected of places, but if folks can't find you, you aren't going to know about these opportunities. I will tell you that looking at job postings um, is probably the, the least productive thing you could be doing, especially at, you know, when we get to the more mid to executive level positions where most organizations 
are outsourcing that and working with an executive search firm, um, these firms will have an exclusive agreement where they're the ones who are kind of marketing that opportunity. So you're not going to see it on a job board. You're not going to see it on the, the company website. Again, I, I'm reemphasizing this um, to, to say that being able to be found, having a presence is extremely important, if not critical, um, to ensure a successful job search. So I'm, gl I'm glad you talked about maintaining your profile. You know, when people aren't working, I, I often suggest that they write for our blog or, or magazine as a way to keep a profile in the compliance community. Am I steering them right? Is it helpful to look for writing, speaking, and other opportunities to promote yourself? I, I'd say, yeah, absolutely. And when, when I think about speaking and writing opportunities, I put that under the networking umbrella, right? So really, any way you can seek to expand your list of contacts is going to open you up to the possibility of more opportunities. So whether it's speaking engagements, whether it's writing opportunities, um, being active in the community, meeting new people for coffee, um, any way you can get involved with industry and professional organizations can lead to introductions and new possibilities. Um, so yeah, I mean, network, network, network. I, I can't drive that, uh, the importance of that home enough. And, um, you know, on that note is something that I think is important when, when you're thinking about networking is it's give and take. Effective networking is you're essentially asking a favor from these folks in, in your network to facilitate an introduction, you know, serve as a reference, put in a good word, help open up doors for you. So make sure to ask if there is any way to pay that contact back either now or in the future. Um, it, it really is give and take. And that's something that, you know, I, I think can get forgotten or taken for granted while networking, but, you know, understand that it's, it's an investment um, on your, your contacts part too. So make sure that you let them know that when the time comes, you know, you're more than willing to help them or simply ask, hey, I appreciate this immensely. How can I help you? And, and for anyone who's not comfortable with networking, um, I highly recommend the book Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi, uh, F-E-R-A-Z-Z-I. Uh, I'll try and remember to put a link into the blog post that goes along with this podcast. I mean, he talks about it, uh, how to do it. And, you know, we tend to think of the networkers, the guy who's just handing out business cards to everyone. And it's not that it, it's sort of trying to build relationships, see what people are interested in. Think about where you could be helpful for them, not just how they can be helpful for you. And uh, it's filled with lots of really good techniques for that, whether you're in the job search or, you know, just as part of your business life. Now, let me ask you, as we conclude, one sort of tricky question. One of the more difficult areas is explaining why you currently aren't working, you know, for a candidate who, who's 
you know, been part of a RIF. Um, what should candidates say and what shouldn't they say? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I think the the first thing I would suggest is make sure that whatever answer you're giving is clear, concise, and honest. Um, when you're explaining the why are you out of work, whether you were impacted by a RIF, whether you left voluntarily, um, get to the point and keep it short. You should clearly state the honest reason, but don't ramble and don't give more details than are necessary because you're going to open yourself up to new questions that you may not want to answer. Um, so keep it short, get to the point, and by all means, always be honest. You know, don't don't sugarcoat, don't stretch the truth, especially in this day and age. Um, it, it's more easy than ever for somebody to, to, to catch you in a lie. Um, and, you know, I, I think from the the perspective of an employer, they're and recruiters, you know, we're less concerned about the the gap on your resume, the lapse itself, and more interested in, in what that that gap represents. And at, at the end of the day, an employer just wants to ensure that whatever the reason was for that gap, whatever the reason was for you being in transition today is not a reason that's going to keep you from being successful at their organization. Um, so you know, keep it short, don't overshare. And I think it's generally in one's best interest to you know, give an honest and concise answer and then refocus or redirect the conversa conversation back onto the skills and the experience that you bring to the table. And if the recruiter or the employer wants more information, I mean, trust that they'll follow up with another question. So clear, concise, and honest. Another thing um, that I highly encourage anyone to do that is, you know, going to begin interviewing for new opportunities is to prep. Um, I don't believe you should go into any interview without thorough preparation. And this question especially can make folks nervous. You should fully anticipate that you will be asked this question. So practice your answer. You stand in front of a mirror go through what you're going to say. Now you don't wanna sound scripted, you wanna sound authentic, um, but practice. And there, there's a, a number of interviewing tips and guides out there. there there's one on my firm's website. Um, so preparation, preparation, preparation. So let me ask a follow-up question. We talked about somebody who's lost their job and is now interviewing. What if you're in a job, a recruiter approaches you about another one or, or you find one on your own? When they ask you, why do you want to leave? What should you say? Is it the same? approach or is it somewhat different? That's an excellent question. Um, and, and I would say it's a bit different. 
So your answer for why are you interested in this opportunity or you know, pursuing new opportunities in general should be far less about why you potentially would be willing to leave your current organization and far more focused on what it is about this opportunity, this organization, this role, this leadership team, this mission, whatever, that has you really intrigued and interested. Um, bad mouthing your current employer is never a good idea in an interview. Um, and also just be careful about saying things that could be perceived as bad mouthing your current employer. So even if you're within a, a, a toxic culture and you have horrible leadership, um, I would never advise you to share that during an interview. So the technique and the strategy that I recommend, again, is don't make it about why you want to leave your current organization. Make it about the opportunity and why it's attractive for you. Um, and I think it's also perfectly fine um, to say that you're not actively looking. You know, but someone reached out to you about the opportunity and it was exciting and you're willing to further explore it and learn more. I talked to a lot of candidates who I would consider passive, right? So they're happy, they're well received, they're not looking to make a move, but they're opportunistic. So when you get a Put a good opportunity in front of them they'll listen and uh with that i mean i encourage all of you if you're ever approached about an opportunity take the phone call you never know i mean and if nothing more it's just an opportunity to expand your network and make a new connection and you know maybe down the road um that that relationship will pay off but yeah so it's not about why you're looking to leave your organization, but rather, what is it, you know, tailoring your answer to explain why you're interested specifically in this opportunity. Well, Brittany, thank you so much. This was really uh, great and intriguing advice. And I think a lot of people are going to find it also very, very practical. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to share all of it with us. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletop from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <laughs> <laughs>